Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Lauren shares with us openly today about working through trauma to find her sexual self. We talk about relationship to self, trauma, panic attacks, sexual abuse, and of course, the light at the end of the tunnel. Content warnings for all of the things I just described. Still, if you're resourced enough for it, please join Lauren and myself as we tackle these hard subjects with care and kindness here on Intimate Interactions. Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm sitting here with my friend Lauren, a recovering slash recovered. Lauren, how do you how do you talk about your <laughs> alcoholism in hindsight? Are you a recovered alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic? I don't think there's such a thing as a recovered alcoholic, to be honest. So I just say that I'm uh, I'm in recovery, or yeah, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Addict. Got it. In recovery, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like we make jokes about how, like, oh, I'm cured now, <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't think that's ever really the case. Right. So what I'm interested in talking about this session is like sex and pleasure and relationship with oneself. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of sexual self-discovery, you mentioned that you had a lot of that to do to sort of parse out the difference between, you know, the associated and compulsive behaviors you had around sex with your addiction versus like how do I find something that feels right for me and like feels healthy and feels good and is like what I want. Right. And that's, yeah. That's, and that's been, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I was, I was just going to say, yeah, like that is something you have a lot of practical experience with. And I'd be really interested to learn more about what that journey has sort of looked like for you would you be interested in giving us like an introduction to how you started going about that process yeah for sure um and it's a process that I feel like I'm at the tip of the iceberg of to be honest Mm -hmm. um as I've been moving through recovery in different stages that one has kind of stood out to me um as something that is going to be really a focal point for me moving forward Mm um especially kind of healing from you know, and and recognizing that sexual addiction was part of my story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like looking back on paper, how could I not have realized that? But, you know, so many things we can be blind to until it's kind of like, oh, duh. Um, Sure. I think compulsion just by its nature is like that, that it's so easy to be like, oh, I just need this thing right now and not realize like, oh, this is a compulsion. Like, I feel like I need this thing, but there's no, like, other than psychologically, there's no immediate physical reason why I need this thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, And for me, like, the beginning part was literally just learning how to respect myself again. Um, Because so many of the behaviors that I engaged in were not behaviors um, that I would have if I had self-respect, right? 
Um, so, so yeah, it, and and sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I I just wanted to parse out um, and unpack what you said a little. Um, so there's this mm -hmm. idea of like not respecting oneself, um, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm interested in like when you were engaging in these behaviors where you felt like you weren't respecting yourself, was that because like, I guess I'm, I'm curious how you knew, was it like an internal experience of like, this is really disgusting, but like, I'm just like a piece of shit as it were, forgive my language. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, all the ways that I thought about myself were just so negative Got it. and I, I blamed myself for so many things that had happened in the past um, sexually, you know, the, the, it's my fault kind of mantra because I walk into this situation kind of thing. Right. Like um, I deserve this. And yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so when I started kind of, you know, getting it out in some therapy and starting to, you know, unravel all of these self-worth ideas I had connected to me and sex, I started, you know, being able to change the narrative mm -hmm. um and you know recognize that i i definitely i do love myself at this moment in time i do respect myself now i do know that a lot of things have not been my fault and i and i i'm not too harsh on myself for thinking that they were in the past you know mm. um so basically coming out the other side of living this new life as a person who's grown a lot. Um, yeah, it's, it's completely different. And a lot of it is new to me. Um, and a lot of the things that I thought I enjoyed in the past, I don't. Um, and, and some, you know, new things, I think <laughs> that maybe I didn't think I would have, I do. Um, That's in the awesome. sense that I think I am. I'm actually a, a little bit more vanilla than I gave myself credit for. Um, <laughs> and, and, um, and, you know, there's still definitely a part of me that's, um, you know, pretty kinky and, and definitely wants certain things, but that's like, I'm not in a rush. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a rush about it. And, and I don't subscribe like my value as a person or my value as a woman or my value mm -hmm. as um, just like a being in my own space as attributed to people want to fuck me or, right. you know, I'm, I'm picking somebody up in a bar or, you know, I'm on Tinder and this person matched me. Like none of that holds any kind of relevance to the way that I feel about myself today. Right. And that hasn't always been the case. No, God, no, not at all. So that's really no. positive. Um, it is. It's hugely positive. Um, and like there's been certain people along the way that have really healed a lot of hurts, you know, and shown me that I am, you know, of value. And it's not just because, you know, I want to do certain things in bed or because, you know, I put out or whatever. Sure. Um, like it's not about how you can I, be of use to other people. Exactly. Totally. It's, it's about how I own my own sensuality and sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I, I put boundaries and I keep boundaries in place, which is not something that I ever did before. And I think you, when, when I said like, I never um, respected myself, I think a lot of the time I knew that the things I were, I was doing were not things that I really wanted to be doing or that I would like 
like myself for in the morning because I would pretty much just totally like detach myself from what was going on. Right. You know? Um, and I didn't really enjoy any of it. I thought I, I would, it's that compulsion, right? Right. Um, you don't actually enjoy it when it's happening, but you're constantly obsessing about it. Well, Um, it it was, there's, there's, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just going to say the parallels between using and, um, and Mm -hmm. sex were so easily defined. Like I, I got the same feelings um, picking somebody up or matching with someone and going to meet up with somebody or hooking up with somebody at wherever I was at. I got those same feelings during that process, right? like before the actual event that I'd have going to pick up the drugs. And I actually would enjoy that feeling way more than I would enjoy the feeling of it actually happening. I would pretty much just totally disassociate when it was actually happening. Right. So the sex itself held almost no value for you yeah but pretty much no value all of the process leading up to sex all of the validation mm-hmm. all of the being told how attractive you are how desirable you are how wanted you are yeah i can mm-hmm. totally see how that would be like a huge high yeah yeah and like just the fact that i really um <laughs> i would really go for people who i knew weren't going to be anywhere near emotionally available for what was going to go on. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't looking for nice guys. I wasn't looking for somebody who looked like they wanted to take me for dinner. I looked for somebody who was like, yeah, he can fuck my night up. Let's go. Wow. (laughs) um, So the whole thing was just like my whole mindset. It was just so unhealthy. You know, I just wanted, and and I recognize now my behavior towards sex um, was just another form of escape it was just another form of using it was just another form of of um distraction yeah it was just yeah absolutely it's just distraction right yeah like and that's nowhere near what it is for me now that's really positive yeah hugely positive yeah so in i'm trying to think about how I want to ask this question. Cause I had sort of asked about like, how did you begin the process? And you'd mentioned that there were like a few key individuals who really sort of like mm-hmm. helped you have those like aha moments or sort of make some strides from sort of your relationship with sex and validation towards more of a focus almost on your relationship with yourself and your experience of your own body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, um, before I got clean, there was one person who kind of stands out as being just really nurturing. And I don't remember a lot of the people who I, you know, went after. Um, and not a lot of people stuck around and I wouldn't stick around. But this one person, I did meet him through um, kink. Mm-hmm. I, we met on on Fat Life, I think, and uh, he was a, an older, an older individual who um, was just really, really kind and nurturing, and like really kind of showed me to what it was at that moment in my life to like have boundaries and to kind of ask for what I wanted and say I don't want this, mm-hmm. you know, which is not something that I'd had a lot of experience in. I just kind of like. I just wanted to feel, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that person stands out in my memory as someone who healed a lot of hurts for me. And, you know, our story ended after a few months. 
um, as I was just not able to uh, to give him the things that he needed. And I was, you know, torpedoing down a path of addiction at that point that, right. you know, wasn't going to end well. So I distanced myself. But um, and then afterwards, there was another person who came into my life. So many people came into my life um, exactly when I needed them to. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the universe being like, okay, <laughs> your eyes are open now. Here are some people who are going to help you heal. Um, and uh, I, I met a really beautiful soul who um, instantly we became really close. And and he was the same. He was very, like, I, I was able to have really open and frank conversations with him. Um, it was just a very safe face he knew I was newly sober there was never any kind of pressure it was like the first person who really kind of never pressured me for anything got it and like um yeah it just made me feel good and and valued and worthwhile without putting that kind of like we have to have sex now mm-hmm. thing over it you know and then from there it just you know kept meeting people who just validified the fact that I was I was learning how to be who I'm supposed to be. And a part of that was learning how to love myself again. Um, And then eventually meeting uh, my partner and we're, you know, he's, he's recovering as well. Um, And, you know, it, our, our relationship sexually looks a little bit different than a lot of relationships I've had. Actually, it looks a lot different (laughs) than any relationships I've had. It looks totally opposite. Um, And we're learning together what is right for us. You know, we're actually like working on it and having conversations about it. You know, as we're in in the past, it was just drink and fuck. Right. You know, or like the the relationship I'd had um, for almost a year before getting clean it was just drink, use and fuck. And, and that was the whole relationship, right? right? That was, that was the entire relationship was surrounding the, that, that, just that. Right. And I'm with, um, you know, I'm with a person now who like, we're, we're learning together what both of us want and what we need. And, you know, sometimes we have to have tough conversations because I'm, a, <laughs> uh, I'm a recovering sex addict, which is, a newer thing for me to say. Sure. Um, and, and he's, you know, he's had to kind of learn through his past as well in, uh, in his addiction, mm-hmm. you know, so it's an interesting process. It's not without its um, challenges and hard conversations, but it's like, we're actually building towards a mutually respectful um, partnership. That's where amazing. sex isn't the main sex is not the main focus right and that is why i think it's so successful mm-hmm. right i can't so, i can't remember what i was what i was going to say but that's okay i will it'll come back to me it'll come back to me <laughs> i was just honestly just trying to sort of listen and absorb what you were saying and i was like yeah no, that all that all makes perfect sense mm-hmm yeah, it's it's so funny how I really thought that all of my problems were just surrounding drugs and alcohol. Right. 
and and then and then I hit a year and I was just like oh everything still feels so fucked up what's going on and then I got diagnosed with ADHD and then I'm realizing through doing the step work of uh, the program I'm in that oh shit I have to tackle this this is definitely you know sex addiction is something I also need to do a lot of work around and you know (laughs) it's just like self-discovery has been it just keeps blowing my hat off you know (laughs) yeah like I'll think that okay I've done I've done therapy for this I've done you know shadow work for that and I, I meditate and I try to do yoga and I don't put drugs into my body so I'm good and I don't have anything left to learn about myself <laughs> and then something comes and just totally smacks me upside the head and I'm like oh my god there's so much more <laughs> I think the best part about it is like a year from now what are my blind spots that I'm gonna know about that I don't know right now oh my god Oh my gosh. Because if you could talk to yourself from even just one year ago, like how different of a Mm -hmm. person are you, right? In every single shape and form. Yeah. Entirely different. The person I was back then, and you know, I would hide behind these labels as being like a sexually progressive person. Sure. (laughs) It makes me like, so I I feel so gross um to to think about that because i would like defend my behavior like to my friends and to other people who knew me and being um, like i'm just sexually liberated exactly right because i'd have a lot of partners and and i just do what i want but you know underneath it wasn't what i wanted um and that's the key totally yeah and people thought i was like so confident you know like the the mask, I'm really impressed with myself sometimes <laughs> because in my own head, I know where I was at. I was in a dark place. I was spinning out, right? I was really just a mess. But then, you know, I go through like all my old Instagram posts and like I, I go and, and talk to people who used to know me and I think about, you know, interactions that I can actually remember from the past few years. Right. And like, I really you know, oscillating between social groups so that no one ever really saw me too much. Mm-hmm. I really, people really did think that I was like this confident person who was like in charge of her sexual whatever, you know? And and the reality was that I was, um, I was just going for the high. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that high included, included sex. And a lot of it was, you know, there was a lot of situations there's a few situations that were really bad, mm-hmm. right? And that my my behavior led me to those situations. So looking back at that person who just had mask after mask after mask on, right? Um, I feel really sad for that person. It's, you know, yeah. and just... I, it's honestly, it's got to um, be so hard to have more than a shallow relationship with other people when you don't have more than a shallow relationship with yourself. Wow, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's like you need... Just like... You go ahead. You you need what? Oh, I was just saying, like, you need to have, like, some knowledge of who you are to be able to relate that with someone else. Right. And that's why I think I just jumped from person to person and I never was emotionally available for anyone. And there were a few people along the way who really wanted to see me again, you know, if I wasn't um, completely and totally fucked up at the time, because mm-hmm. I know I scared some people. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and and I would just never want to ever talk to anybody I'd been with. I, I was disgusted with myself afterwards. I just never wanted to have any evidence of, you know, what I'd done. And um, so I really was in this self-shaming kind of spiral while at the same time covering up for it by saying like, you know, I'm like this modern woman. <laughs> oh, it, just, it just makes me laugh my own my own self bravado in the past makes me laugh sometimes. Just, it just um, sounds like a really painful place to be like carrying all that shame all the time. That just sounds really heavy. It, it really was. Yeah. It was really painful. And I mean, it just added up um, with everything else. Right. Which is when I, um, when I hit that bottom of realizing that I was probably going to kill myself, that was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Carrying just constant shame around all the time, you know, and just like, you know, just why can't you stop doing this? Like, why, you know, like, why are you like this? Right. Um, it's that feeling of being personally broken in a way that doesn't yeah. seem fixable. Yeah. And, and I didn't realize, um, you know, the pressing things for me when I started this journey were the drugs, like what was going to kill me immediately. Right. You know, let's avoid an overdose. Let's avoid I, my, my liver was pretty damaged at 31. Yeah. Let's avoid, you know, future liver disease. Let's, um, let's get back to being able to eat once a day. Mm-hmm. Those were my pressing concerns. And then as you know, more and more time has built up, um, you know, being able to tackle those bigger things um, and and my relationship to myself and my relationship to others sexually is one of those things. It's, it's just such a huge part of, of my healing journey has to be that. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the ones I have totally avoided. (laughs) I've, I've avoided like a lot harder than I, I, I didn't tackle that as, as, deeply as I dove into all the other stuff like childhood trauma fuck yeah like let me get my (laughs) claws into that like let's let's do that um you know and um and then the the sex stuff I was like let's let's give it a month (laughs) a month later let's give it another another month I don't know um (laughs) and uh and I'm not um I'm not in the business of promoting any kind of um, recovery program mm-hmm. because I think that different things work for different people mm-hmm. um, and what works for one person won't work for the other. Uh, but the, the program I am in um, is a 12 step program and that really above anything else, there's a certain step that makes you do a, a, a sexual inventory. Okay. That above anything else was where I was like, Oh fuck, I need to deal with this. Right. This is like, like not just in the way that I'm like owning my own sexuality now, but like I need to kind of take apart my sexual past. I don't want to, but the only way I'm going to heal and like fully, fully materialize as a person who can like take responsibility for her actions and learn from them. I have to parse all this apart. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's, it's been kind of painful, but it's, it's, I know it's going to be worth it in the end. It already is. Cause I'm able to talk about it freely without shame to a certain point. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm so. actually just um, empathizing with a lot of what you're saying. Cause I'm in, I'm in counseling right now. I'm focusing on mm-hmm. um, being molested when I was um, like seven. 
Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of thinking through a lot of that stuff. And the funny thing is, it's not like I ever didn't know about it or that it was ever like this. I mean, it was obviously catastrophic when it happened, but it, it's not like yeah. I've like carried this my whole life in a way where I've been like, oh, I can't tell anybody. Um, it's just been a mm-hmm. thing that sort of happened that's squicky and uncomfortable that I haven't liked. Um, and I've consistently mm-hmm. told myself like, oh, you know, it, it's not that bad. Um, it could have been a lot worse. Um, you know, I got off easy. Um, no euphemism implied there. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> shitty, though, to be like, oh, fuck, I really do need to talk about this in counseling. And fuck, I really do <sighs> need to take this apart to move forward. And it's just like exhausting to sort mm-hmm. of have jogged ahead of it my whole life and been really comfortable with a light jog. You know, I was never running from it. I never had like this pressing need to get away from it. It was just uncomfortable when it was around and it was just nicer to not have it around. And then sure enough, at a certain point you're like, Oh, this is actually impacting my life in ways I didn't realize. Like I really should probably deal with this in counseling. And so now I'm in counseling for it and I'm like, fine, I'm here. Let's do this. <laughs> that like, oh, that kind of bitter resignation. Yep. We're like, oh, fucking all right. <laughs> yeah, here's I really yeah. Here's another fucking Resonating. opportunity for growth. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm sorry. That's just that is so accurate to how I feel about self growth sometimes. <laughs> I'm just like, for fuck's sake, like, can I just? <laughs> can I just like, have I just, like one win that isn't sullied within a week by me? Like. It's like yeah. I, I just cleaned this shit up yes. two months ago and it's just this shit all over the floor <laughs> and like the windows are open and everything's full of mildew now. Yeah. <sighs> but, that, you know, that's the journey, right? Yeah, it's like there's this. The day that I. Sorry. What were you oh, I was just going to say it's like there's a storage room and you keep cleaning out your living room and boxes keep mm-hmm. spilling over from the storage room. and You've just got to clean your living room again. Um, and you keep yeah. thinking like, oh, I've just got it clean. I can finally relax and watch TV. And the door just like slams open and just like shit pours out everywhere. And it's surprise, motherfucker. Yeah. It's like your brain <laughs> has this capacity where it can only hold so much trauma at once. And when you've built up enough trauma and you've been like avoiding it or just like la- trauma got layered on top of trauma because life, oh, yeah. um, you end up with that, that storeroom being seemingly physically impossibly triply quadruply filled and like it just keeps emptying into the living room and at a certain point it is really exhausting i mean always it's exhausting but yeah it's it's kind of like you're just looking at the the bottom of this pyramid full of boxes of of stuff Mm -hmm. and you're like well i i just don't even know where to start with this now Mm -hmm. so maybe i just won't start with it yeah you're like i just finished on the last pyramid (laughs) i don't want to start at the bottom again do you know how many boxes are on the bottom layer of a pyramid (laughs) my back hurts yeah (laughs) yeah no that's like that's that's a really good way of putting it um yeah and i'm 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 so sorry that you went through that in your childhood thank you it's it's uh, i i don't want to say it is what it is because i feel like that's dismissive but i've come to a place of acceptance that's good i'm glad um i i don't have any sexual abuse in my in my childhood which i'm thankful for um but i do have uh, sexual abuse in my early twenties, mm. um, and and when you said, I don't know exactly what you said. You're like it's kind of just, just there, and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's squeaky. You know? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, I remember going to counseling around that time. Mm -hmm. Um, but not for me It or not, sorry, not for that. That was, it was like, it was for, I was dealing with my brother at the time. He, he's a heroin addict Mm -hmm. and things were really bad at the time and really traumatic. And he'd been living with me and it was just awful. Right. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine noticed how poorly I was doing. Right. And, you know, it was because of what was going on in my life with my brother, but it was also because of this thing that had happened that I just didn't know what to do with. And I just, I just shoved it to the back of my brain. Right. Um, And I was like, I'm just not going to deal with this. It's fine. I'm fine. I've got too much on my Um, plate right now. Deal with this later. Exactly. Which, which like (laughs) my entire life is that (laughs) mentality. Um, Doesn't, doesn't lead to great places. I'll tell you. Sure. (laughs) Um, So, and I just remember being in counseling um, with this really wonderful counselor and, and, and just like feeling like I should talk about it, you know, and, and just repressing the hell out of it and being like, no, I can't bring this up. I just can't, you know? And it's been like that for so long. And it's one of those things that it's like you said, it's just like, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm kind of like, it's, it's uncomfortable. And that's exactly the way that I've felt about that. And, you know, along the way, um, various, uh, you know, dubious consent instances, uh, of drinking and using, um, things like that, you know, I've just tucked those things away and I've never really pulled them out. And it's just because they just kind of rattle around uncomfortably. It's it's like a bunch of tools in a trunk yep. and they're not in a tool case. They're just not And every time down. we turn a corner, they're just not locked down. But I'm I'm okay, you know? Um, but every time I kind of go and dip below the surface, they're there. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm I, I really I really resonate with that. It's like And it is something that I'm working through, right? Totally. I appreciate the the um, loose tools analogy because for me, there mm-hmm. is that sense of noise and not just like mm-hmm. the distracting kind of noise, but like the anxiety kind of noise. Yes. It's like every time the tools move, you have to ask yourself, like, is the engine okay? Oh, oh yeah, it is. Those mm-hmm. are just the tools. You have to really spend the emotional energy to figure out, like, is everything okay? Yeah. And if you don't, you just yeah. constantly feel like things are not quite okay. It's like paying interest on a loan Yep. when you're just paying the interest hundred percent and the loan's still there. That's totally what it is. Yep. You're like, well, I mean, they're not going to come after me this month because I paid the interest, but it's still there. <laughs> I haven't dealt with it. I think, <laughs> you know, I think that yes, totally. I think the worst part about it is mm-hmm. when you leave stuff for enough decades or it happened early mm-hmm. enough in your life that you're kind of like, it's hazy almost about it. I feel mm-hmm. like, especially if you didn't have good awareness at the time, there's this propensity that trauma has to like disintegrate kind of into your body. And then you're just left with these body memories and you're just fucking frustrated Mm -hmm. that you don't know why they're there. Yeah. And like exploring the link between trauma and like your physical body is, I had no idea that trauma manifests itself in your physical body. Yeah. Um, And it really, really does. 
Yeah. So sometimes I'll just feel these free floating kind of like free floating anxiety and just like sensations in my body that I can now attribute to to different things that I had no idea about in the past. It's, sure. It's really it's fascinating. Number one. Um. But it's also it it's easier once I've been able to kind of recognize what feelings are what. Yeah. I think I have to right. I have to breathe sometimes and just remind myself that when I'm not able to identify a memory, um, mm-hmm. it is my mind and my body trying to protect me, you know, yep. from overwhelm. And when yeah. I'm ready, I will know, like, you know, my body mm-hmm. and my brain will be good with that. And they'll wait until yeah. the living room is clean. And on an unsuspecting Sunday afternoon when I'm watching a movie or something with a partner, <laughs> I'll just fucking go to mm-hmm. pieces for seemingly no reason and be like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Found it. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Wow. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I have definitely had moments where I've everything has just been fine. It's a normal day. <laughs> and just one little thing will happen. And you're just like, well, I'm going to have a panic attack now and tell you that I think I'm dying, but please don't call an ambulance because I don't want to pay another $80 bill. You're like, I promise I'm not dying. (laughs) I'm just 90% (laughs) sure I'm dying. (laughs) Fuck. Oh, man. Well, it's it's nice to know that there's someone else who, you know, (laughs) completely understands that and all of those metaphors. Yeah. Very, very poignant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that is that is a great session on self discovery. I originally intended it for it to be a, an exclusively a session about like self discovery in terms of like <laughs> sex and experimenting with sex yeah. and talking about sex and fun sexy talks. And then I was like, oh right, and also sexual abuse, trauma, and panic attacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't help it. I always just like I go dark. It's good. No, honestly, it's I appreciate you just being you, and like you never have to sanitize your content or like. You know, like you just be you. I, I wouldn't want you to be anyone you. else. Oh, thank you. And with that, I will thank you for being on this session of Intimate Interactions. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com slash intimate victor. You can tweet me at intimate victor. You can follow me on Instagram and Intimate Victor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a good review anywhere online, especially iTunes. The opening music is on hold for you made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI saxophonist. This closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well. <laughs>